Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, March 7th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss first impressions of Google Glass, do-it-yourself SaaS integration with Zapier, and zoning out to the sounds of GitHub. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. That SaaS is in software as a service, not CSS preprocessing. Oh, good point. Yes. Phonemes or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Homonyms. Yeah. So, and and what all these things have in common? Mm -hmm. How's it going over there? Uh, Pretty good. I'm just trying to, I'm sitting here wrapped in a blanket because I can't get warm, but... Really? Well, I guess yeah. it's still winter. Yeah. I guess it's still winter and you guys have electric heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we're definitely on the we're on the way out of the ice age over here. Yeah, I, I feel like we are too in a in a day or two. We just had a it had it had been in the mid 60s and then got cold again. Mm. So I feel like we're almost at the end of it. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward. I, I'm uh, torn looking forward to the melt because the uh, we basically haven't been using the, the back door, which goes into a fenced backyard and then down to the driveway. We've been going out the front mm-hmm. because it's like a it's like the, we let the dogs out to go to the bathroom and it's just like a pee rink. <laughs> it's like they they were like so lazy. Now they just go to the bottom of the stairs and they're like, OK, this is good. <laughs> so when it melts, we're going to have to hose down the whole the whole patio and everything. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so. Eric. Yeah. I'm looking forward to getting that behind us. Yeah. Well, we've got some fun stuff to talk about this week, but first housekeeping. Mm-hmm. Stickers. Stickers. Yes. I made stickers. Awesome. They're super funny. JBot and KBot stickers. Yes, JBot and KBot stickers. Um, I I had happened to have some sticker mule credit that was about to expire, mm. so I thought, hey, free stickers. So <laughs> now, did you? Where did you find those robots? Those robots. Um, I purchased. I was I was gonna I was gonna just draw everything by hand mm-hmm. and design our own bots, uh, which I had started to do, but I just I didn't have the time. Right. And um, so I found I found some on iStock that were similar to what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and so I, I purchased a license for that and and got the the, the vector art for those, and then I modified them. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're super awesome. So yeah, this this particular episode is number ninety eight. So we're coming up fast to the three digits. It is. We are, and so you know, anybody wants a sticker, <laughs> give us a shout. <laughs> yeah, hit us on uh, Twitter is probably the best way. Yeah, probably so. And awesome, they're super cool, and we'll post a link to the graphic in the show notes. I'm I'm excited, looking forward to them. Like the like the finished sticker, it's it's like five inches by three and three quarters inches so they're pretty good size yeah wow excellent niche swag yeah stick one on my laptop totally eventually get tattoos of them but (laughs) let's not get ahead of ourselves uh cool so um anything calendar wise i don't think anything next week is particularly challenging schedule wise so Mm, i don't think so should be on schedule for number 99 uh, all right, so let's ju- jump into the feature content, shall we? Yes. So the big news is I got my Google Glass this week. Um, and I, I got my invite. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, the dear listener will recall that I tried on a pair of a friend's Google Glass at a college reunion the preceding weekend, and I was simultaneously like, like, oh my God, this is a thing, but also like, oh my God, are these things uncomfortable? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, is this, this is an uncomfortable thing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so 
so at, you know i got him on tuesday i guess what's today we're recording on wednesday so i had him i got him monday but i had to charge him overnight before they would actually work and i had some trouble getting him set up so mm-hmm. i didn't really get to uh get to to play around with them until sort of midday yesterday yeah and uh I was able to get them to fit me by dorking around with the uh, nose pieces and, and kind of uh, what you're supposed to do. They're, they're meant to be adjustable. So it is pretty impressive that they have a one size fits all type of, you know, uh, glass. I mean, I hesitate to call them glasses, but that's, I guess what they are. Yeah. Um, but man, after wearing them for a day, I remember why I paid you know, $5,000 out of pocket to have lasers shot into my eyes because <laughs> I hate wearing glasses. It just gives me a headache from my, from my nose through my eyeballs and down my retinal nerve into my neck. Mm. And it's not, it's not, it's partially eye strain from uh, using glass too much yesterday, but it's, it's mostly the pressure around my head and on my nose. It's the exact yeah. same kind of headache I used to get from glasses when I wore glasses. Yeah, I don't. I don't wear glasses. Don't really bother me. Um, I've worn them all my life. I don't really wear mine a lot around the house because <laughs> they don't help much. Because mm. um, there's not a lot that can be done for my eyesight. <laughs> so I, I, I mostly just wear them when I go out, and it's it's more for the for the anti glare coating and the tinted lenses than it is for the prescription in them. Gotcha. Are they but, um, are they like very light or are they medium or? Um, they're not like super lightweight, but they're not like heavy Coke bottle lenses either. Yeah. My, my glasses were sort of horn rim framey, not Ray-Bans, but kind of like that thickness. Yeah. So they were on the heavy side. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But, um, so, but what's really the big takeaway is that I probably, I'm probably not going to wear them. I'm definitely not going to wear them all the time. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to test them in lots of situations and there'll probably be times when they're like super useful, like definitely for traveling. It's obvious, obvious win. Yeah. Uh, or anything that anything like around the house where I want hands free or whatever. But there are some current limitations of this hardware that make it sort of impractical to do a lot of the things that you would probably want to do. Like the batteries pretty, pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So like if you're doing anything interesting with them, you can almost watch the battery tick down. It's like a, it's like an old Mac lap, laptop, oh. you know, if you're recording video or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're just, it's just, uh, it goes down pretty quick. So you got to charge them definitely at least every night. Yeah. If not once at night, once midday. So that's not great. I can imagine if you were, you know, driving somewhere and you're trying to get driving directions on them, you'd pretty much kill them in, in a one to two hour drive. Well, definitely you would, you know, probably in a one hour drive. Yeah. That, that kind of sucks. Yeah, definitely. Um, you can, you can, they do work while they're plugged in. So I suppose you could plug them into your cigarette lighter. Um, but anyway, um, but the, the important thing isn't that isn't whether or not this particular iteration will catch on, but that it is definitely going to catch on. So like they, they need to fix kind of like the dumb things or the, mm-hmm. the, the less technical things, I guess I should say. Yeah. Like the ergonomics and the battery. Yeah. Uh, the stuff like that. And it's, and it's like, if you feel like, you know, armchair quarterback, you feel like, well, why don't they just add a battery to the other arm too? Or, you know, like it's, it feels, feels like you could do something, but, um, but the, the real, the big news is that they're amazing for like exploring the concept of of a of a head mounted wearable mm-hmm. it, it's just like crazy like they uh for example to they're, they're like gestures that they came up with that combine finger fingers on the on the touch pad which is on the right arm and the motion of your head and the direction you're facing to to create like surprisingly intuitive i don't know what to call it i want to say multimedia gestures but they're like they're just like full body gestures almost. Hmm. So like, like for example, if you, yeah, for instance, yeah, for instance, if you, if you come upon a link, so somebody, you, you, there's a browser on the phone, but there's no like URL bar anywhere at the phone on the glasses, but there's nowhere you can't like type it in anywhere. You can't type anything. Yeah. In. So, uh, well, actually that's not true. Side note, you can attach Bluetooth keyboard to glass, uh, but that's a separate story. 
Um, you could just attach it to the phone that Glass is using. But you can't. <laughs> but you can't type. Oh right, right. I see. right. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, you like you can actually attach like a mouse and a keyboard to Glass for development purposes to to actually oh. type. Okay. Anyway, um, but anyway, yeah, you get mouse pointer and stuff. So, so, but in, in normal use, you, um, you, let's say we're we're having a, a, a ha- they want to call them hangouts, but just like IMing back and forth, mm-hmm. um, where uh, we're using I'm, I'm using voice on my end. In fact, some of the chats we were having last night were me on the glass, just talking and 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 it sent you know would send and. Uh, if you sent me a link or I sent a link, then uh, when you tap on the, the, I don't know what to call it, let's call it the touchpad of the glass. Mm-hmm. When you tap on the touchpad, uh, you get options for things you want to do. Like you can reply to the message, or if you slide your finger forward, you get another card that says um, visit website because it knows there's a URL in there. And so if you tap on that, it launches a browser that is kind of like a Nexus 5 or the Moto X in landscape mode mm-hmm. in terms of responsive web design and what's viewable. And and by the way, responsive web designs work great on it. Uh, it's, it's That's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool. But so the thing is, how do you click on something, right? How do you scroll around? Um, right. So if you, if you slide your finger forwards and backwards, you scroll up and down in the page. But then if you want to click on a link, there's no mouse pointer. So what do right. you do? So... What you do is you you hold down two fingers on the touchpad, and then move your head around, and it pans the page as if the page isn't moving but your head is. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So you're like looking around the page. That's really cool. Yeah, it works great. And if you if you look if the page is really long and you look down like uh, toward you know pretty close to the floor, it scrolls faster and you get down farther. And then in the middle of the display, there's like a like a little circle target. Oh, like, like you just get your link in the crosshairs. Exactly. So you, you try and line up your link in the crosshairs exactly like that. And it even gives you a hover. So if the, if the link has like a, a hover pseudo selector, it, it treats it like a hover and it highlights it's easier and, to tell when your link is highlighted. Exactly. And, and, and so, and this is an example of hover on a touch device. Mm-hmm. And then you just tap and it says, you know, is this the link you want? Basically it's like, it gives you a, a confirmation like do you want to visit this link yes and then you yeah that's and that's good it, it in some ways it seems like the confirmation get annoying but it's probably good that it's there because it's absolutely yep. yeah you could very easily accidentally navigate away from something yes and in <laughs> fact it's funny you bring that up there are lots of there are lots of little interactions that like i can see that there are tons of very specific usage patterns that would be incredibly mm-hmm. great you know like having a Having that quick, like, late day IM conversation that I always have with Erica, like, every day we have almost the same conversation around the same time where she's like, what time are you coming home? And I'm like, you know, the usual. And then she's like, yeah, right. (laughs) And then then she goes, what do you want for dinner? And, you know, it's like, it's pretty much the same conversation. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So if, you know, so to be able to, you know, and if you miss those, if I, if you miss those notifications, you're dead. Like, you know, the, like she has like zero patience at five thirty because the kids are like climbing up one side and down the other. Right. And, uh, and it's like, you know, like you not need responding, to be home now. Not responding to the text is not acceptable. Yeah. So, um, so here's the thing though. So th- that would be awesome if you could, if you could really make that seamless. It's cause the trick is you have to make it better than the phone. Mm-hmm. Cause why bother? Because now here's the, now here's the, well I don't want to I'll get to remember me get to the watch in a second the pebble okay so the the uh, the problem is exactly what you raised with the you know the the tap did you want to tap on this link confirmation it doesn't do that in lots of other places in an effort to make the interaction frictionless mm-hmm. but it means you so. You, you do stuff. You accidentally do stuff. Yeah, you're constantly doing stuff wrong. So imagine if, imagine if when you're on your, your iPhone and you've got uh, autocorrect turned on. Imagine if you didn't press the enter key to send a text, but instead you had a three second countdown and it just sends. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. whoa, 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 wait. I, yesterday, wait. yeah, it happened to me five times yesterday where I like share this picture and then it's like sharing to Facebook and I'm like, no, not Facebook. 
<laughs> I noticed you were accidentally posting pictures to Facebook yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And and I ex- I don't even know how I po- posted the one to Facebook. Actually, I posted a couple to Twitter. Um, and it's it's tricky because you're like you're like it, it does certain things by default after a delay. Mm-hmm. And and I'm kind of getting my sea legs still. So if I knew what those were, it wouldn't be as bad. But you have to like quickly cancel, and if you and if you aren't, you know, if you like sort of fat finger the down swipe, which is pretty easy to fat finger, surprisingly, then uh, then you just tweeted something, and there's no deleting a tweet. Like you can delete it, but it's too late. Everybody saw it, right? And people are replying to it, so it's stuck in their stream, and it's like, you know, it's you know, you, you post the wrong picture, you, you could totally have an Anthony Weiner moment with one of these easily, <laughs> easily. And almost by accident. Yeah. Like the whole thing, like taking the picture and posting it to, to Twitter by accident. Like it's weird because there's this sort of tension between making a frictionless experience and like, you know, accidentally posting a bathroom shot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, but, but why do you care, dear listener, about all this? Uh, I think there's two big takeaways. One is that this is definitely going to catch on at some point, but I still think it's, it it need, it's not going to be this V1 hardware that's going to catch on. Right. There's there's definitely something there. It's just not yep. quite there yet. Definitely something there but not there yet. And and the and the big takeaway is that or the second piece of that is that designing for this is bizarre. It's <laughs> it's awesome and futuristic and bizarre and nothing and no well, not nothing like but it's similar to to um a web experience but it's so much more like like you know when user experience designers say like or, or design like web designers will say you know does design isn't just pretty pictures it's about the overall experience mm-hmm. and then i roll my eyes and then we get in a fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> because i just want someone to make my website look pretty yeah um this i have never been more more intensely aware of that the truth of that statement than with the with google glass because you don't it's not like you can't just design like a hover you can't just design like like one thing in isolation you have to in order to make it a compelling experience in order to make it better than the phone you have to make a series of steps frictionless but uh but accurate so you need to be able to understand a voice command. You need to automatically type it. You need to be able to go, you know, you need to be able to edit it if you want. But if you don't want, you need to be able to go to the next step very easily. It's very wizardy. Yeah. And, and, and two, so, so it's, in a way, it's very complex, but um, the apps that are on it now are really simple, but maybe a little too <laughs> over-sherry. Um, so... Like in another example of that is depending on what applications you have installed, you get different defaults and it's really unpredictable. Like if you're going to share something where it's going to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. That could, it's that super could be problematic, super annoying. And it's like, if you want to like, for example, I have you and Erica as contacts on the glass and I, at first, oh, I feel special. <laughs> you are special. So the, the only so it's like okay i when i first tried them out it's like i had whatever the default uh glassware installed so mm-hmm. i took a picture just a test picture and then i said uh you know i don't want to say it but i guess i have to google glass um share no google glass take a picture it takes the picture and then it immediately gives you a share option so you tap on that to share and it's and it was like you know, I had Erica and, and Kelly in the list because I had added you. So I, I tapped on Erica and then it's shared. And I'm like, and I'm like, but I don't know how. Like, yeah. did it email her? Did it shoot her a hangout? Did it SMS it? Did it? I have no idea. So I'm like, Erica, check your phone and see if you got an email from me. She's like, nope. I'm like, okay, did you get a text? Nope. Is it on your Facebook stream? Nope. So we're like looking all over the place. Like, where did it go? Yeah. So, uh, um, it ended up that it was like, she found it in her Gmail, but it was a hangout, which we don't, which is now. So here's the thing, Eric and I don't do Google hangouts because you can't do, uh, or we do it when I'm traveling because you can do video, but, um, 
for some reason on my Google Apps account, there's like limitations that normal people don't have. So I so we use Facebook Messenger instead. Weird. So you need to be able to like, and you can set defaults. So like you can go into somebody's card and say, okay, when I share something with them, I want it to go uh, via email or to their phone number. But I didn't see the option to send it to their, you know, like Facebook Messenger. So you're like, okay, so now right. this person, like, they're, so then I installed, then I turned on Google, I must have had Google Plus installed then. But there's like a whole mystery. There's like mysteries. Mm-hmm. Where, where on Android, you, um, you, you know, Android intents are awesome because if you click on some kind of button, some you trigger some kind of action, and you have a bunch of applications on your phone that will respond to that action or a broadcast or announce that they do respond to whatever sharing photos, then you get, you get to choose. List. Yeah. You can like use it just now or, or make this your default. Exactly. And it's sort of like that, but it's, it's less explicit because they either they're trying to push a, a Google agenda or, which is probably partially true, mm-hmm. or they are um, trying to make it, frictionless so you don't have to answer a million questions before you share the photo but i want the million questions yeah you know, you know what yeah, i mean at least until you get used to the thing right or get it configured right or it, it's i don't think i can configure it to share a photo to her via facebook as a message i yeah. could i could probably i can post it privately to her wall but that's not what i want to you know what i mean it's like it's no, not the same yeah yeah all these different communication mediums between individual buddies that you have are highly specific to the relationship and the mm-hmm. the level of privacy that you want to maintain. Right. Right. Like there's some people, some people I only talk to on Skype, whether it's voice chat or using Skype's instant messenger. Mm-hmm. And some I only talk to on like G talk and then, yeah. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. I have certain friends who I only know how to get in touch with via Twitter DMS. Like I literally, I, I literally do not have their email. Like whenever I have to email them, I go on Twitter and I DM them like, what's your current email? Yeah. And probably forget it. So you, it kind of needs that. And like, I, I could see why it wouldn't have that. Cause that's like hideously mm-hmm. complex, but yeah, you, it is. It is. I should be able to go to somebody's contact card and say like, like in these cases, use Twitter in these cases for this person use, I don't know. It's, it sounds like a lot of configuration and they're probably just trying to go with sensible defaults, which they did. But anyway, so, so to you interaction designers in the crowd, things are like the, the level of, of, I don't know, that sort of tension between frictionless and, and wrong, (laughs) you know, is really, really, it's, like that is that is a true discipline. Like now that we're starting to get things besides just like a you know, you know, like oh, I want parallax scrolling on my website. Like getting into getting into stuff on the mobile phone that integrates your location and with the user interface and other sensors and your browsing history. Like all these complicated things that you can do on a mobile phone that you couldn't do on a on a laptop. Kind of like, I mean, you you found that to be like way more complicated, right? Yeah. 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 So now like, like, let's say that's 10 times more complicated than programming for a desktop browser. Well, now it's 10 times more complicated than the phone for glass. It's like, (laughs) it's really hard because you, you can't just give people all these options because it, it makes it worse than the phone. Right. I don't know. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't give them too many options because there's like like not that glass is limited but it just it gets overwhelming really quick in the amount of, of things you have to do yes so i do reserve the right to change my mind about this later which i pretty much do about everything anyway but okay, cool. <laughs> i yeah, could get I, used to it and be like oh i just didn't understand the configuration or whatever yeah, yeah i so i got my invite code and i'm it's it's very hard not to just like click the buy button, but I I really would like to try them first. Um, I'm not like I don't think there's something I would use all the time, but from a developer standpoint, like I'm super interested in. Them. Yeah, it is incredibly tempting. I'll, I'm I'm sure I'm not going to wear them all the time. So was, assuming I get sick of them in the next week or two, I'll put them in a box and send them down to you, so you can try them out. Make sure I want to make sure I can see it before I um before I buy it. Yeah, that's definitely doesn't a big it, deal. It's not like you're looking at a screen. Doesn't it just kind of like project the image at you? How does that? It, it 
is funny. It's like, um, it, it is kind of like you're looking at a screen that's floating in the middle distance. Mm-hmm. It, it really fools you. You, you, if you, when you first put them on and you look at it, it looks like something weird, but a few minutes later you get used to it and you can't, you can't tell what you're looking at. It's just yeah. there. So like it, it's almost like you're looking at a laptop that's sitting kind of far away from you on a table. And so here's a, here's a specific thing that will, it kind of, it kind of, it, it blew my mind when it happened to me, but like one of the things you have to do to set the, um, to get the thing attached to your wireless so it doesn't have to go through your phone. Mm-hmm. And this is the same problem with like all of the sort of internet of things devices that are in the commercial spaces. Like a, it can be a real pain in the butt to get them on your Wi-Fi because how do you type in the password? And yeah, especially when your husband hard. makes your Wi-Fi password 64 random characters. Yeah, exactly. It's like, thanks, <laughs> dude. So, um, so the, so one way to do it is to go to the, um, the glass setup site in on a desktop machine mm-hmm. and type in um, your the name of your access point and the password and then it generates a QR code that you know on the on the front end just on the client side it generates like a, a unique QR code that contains that information and then you use glass to scan the QR code and it translates it in, into the information you need I feel like every time something generates a QR code, Brad Frost twitches. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> they, they're horrible, but they have, yeah. it, it reminds me, it's actually pretty, pretty clever in this particular case. Yeah, there, there are very specific use cases where they're handy. Yeah, it's great for, it's, well, I mean, it's a situation when, when you have a device that has a camera but no keyboard and you need to type right. something really complicated, it's, you know, it's, it's that's great. a yeah. pretty uncommon situation, but it's great. Um, other than that though other, yeah but anyway that's yeah, another rant it, for another day <laughs> right it's kind of like the wink integration on the spotter where mm-hmm. you, your phone screen flat you type the information into your phone and then you, you it tr- the transmits phone flashes it flashes the yeah it flashes the screen black yeah. and white and like a almost like a, a morse code pattern to transmit the information to the spotter yeah yeah which is you know this the same kind of concept just a lot cooler mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> So here's the thing. When you have glass on, mm-hmm. it, you have to point it at the QR code on your computer screen. So you're looking directly at your computer screen, but you can also see the picture of your computer screen in the little prism. Screen. Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It has been. Hello? Hey. Rich is on his way. Yep. He left just a few minutes ago. So. Alrighty. Alright. Bye. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, so it's like, you know, when you're, you know, when you like, uh, you're like screen sharing and, and you see your own screen and it like does that infinite mirror thing. Yeah, yeah, we did that in, on Google Hangouts one day. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like that, but way more disorienting because <laughs> you're getting the image from two places, and you're like, "Wait a minute, I'm trying to point my he- head at which one of these?" <laughs> so you like start aiming your head at the prism, so then it's moving away from you. It's like one of those punch those... the monkey games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but anyway. That, that sounds very disorienting. It was, yeah, it's weird. I was like really having to concentrate like, wait, which thing yeah. do I look at? Yeah. And, and if I move my head, which way, what direction? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that sounds like, I don't know, like, like this is a NASA training simulator of some sort. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, the, the, the bottom line is that you really, there's not like a lot of UI there's only a couple yeah. of different kinds of, there's like six different u- types of u- user interface components. And you really have to design an experience, like a flow. Mm-hmm. And it, they're going to be, it's like super highly custom customized for specific use, you know, people in specific, trying to accomplish a specific task in a specific situation. Mm-hmm. So really, really interesting UX challenges. Um, but you, you know, we don't. I'm sure I'll continue to talk about glass. I'm sure, especially if I, you know, can get it down to you. I'm sure you'll have all sorts of interesting 
feedback about that. But the one of the cool things was, or sort of led led me into the into one of the the follow on topics here. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is that there's like a, there's like all these startup, you know, things, once you get glass, like here's a bunch of things that people like to do. And, and one of them, they were talking about, uh, you know, you can, you can, if there isn't a glass app for what you want, then you can use Zapier to maybe stitch it together. I'm like, oh, I've, I've heard people talk about Zapier in the same breath with, uh, Ift or IFTTT dot com yeah. so like let me but but i love ift let me check out zapier and now i'm like oh screw ift <laughs> Zapier's way better yeah i've only looked at it for about oh five or ten minutes or before before we um started the call but yeah it looks looks um i'm 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 just like my head is full of ideas now <laughs> right so the the beauty of zapier and i, I do like ift i do it's got like ift is ift is cool um Zapier is basically a clone, but the the big difference for me is that with Ift you have to apply to become one of their channels, mm-hmm. which I did for mm, I think I did, I've done it twice. I think for Kilo and for Hatch, and never even got a reply. Yeah, or uh, spoken was another one. Never even got back to me, and um, you know so you know and they. Who know, whatever they've got their thing and I'm sure they're making based on the channels that they have, obviously they're making partnerships with big players like ESPN. Right. right. So that's where their head's at. <clears throat> but Zapier is like, you can just go into the developer area and it's like, you just submit, I haven't done it yet. So I don't know if it will work, but it, it makes it look like you just like submit it and it goes live. Like you just set your stuff up and you become a channel. Right. Um, and right, and then so so there are more channels than what appears in their little drop down. There presumably. are like two hundred and fifty channels. Oh wow! And so so here so, and and some of them are really basic stuff like like they have um they're called like I don't they're not called channels that's the that's the if name, but they're they're triggers and actions, and uh, there are tons of. Um, there are just tons of them. So, but what's really cool is I haven't even heard of a lot of them. So I'm like, yeah. geez, this is really cool. And I'm going through them and found some really cool stuff that we'll talk about in a second. But um, they have they have basic integrations for things like RSS and email, and uh, I think they have SMS. But the they just have a generic webhook one. So you can, you can trigger really any, anything that's not in there, you could theoretically trigger, use a webhook to trigger. Yeah. Um, which you could do on your own if you had a web server and you felt like coding it up. But the beauty of it is that you just, you could have all of these triggers in one place and you kind of, if, if your thing's not supported, then you could just use the, the webhook, the webhook. to trigger an action, assuming that your, your software as a service that you're interested in uh, can accept a, payload at, you know has an api of some kind mm-hmm. um so there's a ton of really it's it's you should dig into it actually it's really there's a really cool like the getting started stuff is really cool it's like we support these different kinds of auth- authentication i was expecting they were just going to say auth too and that was it yeah um, but they actually support basic and digest and api keys and they've got reasons for why they support them all they support okay. polling if you don't have webhooks in your api and they're like polling is bad don't make us do it but if but if you don't have webhooks in your API, then we can we can do it. But everyone hates it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really it like everything about it is very inclusive compared to Ift, which is very exclusive. Yeah, it is. Um, that's that's really cool. I'm gonna gonna have to play around with it. And I, I like the idea of being able to like just send to a, just like trigger a webhook mm-hmm. because now I just wanna I wanna write an app to just like collect all of my data about everything that I do and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and well that's you well you had a great idea which is like before the show you were you were like oh well there's no Zapier doesn't have integration with Hue because their their yeah. API their internet API or the one that's on the public internet is not public right so obviously Ift has some kind of like whitelist status and direct integration but 
you know, it, so it was like, well, how could you use Zapier? And you were like, oh, well, you know, if I had the Raspberry Pi with dynamic DNS, then I you could, could just, just set up a webhook and exactly. ping, ping the Pi. Right. Then have the Pi do do whatever. Exactly. So that's, and while you're at it, like have the Pi just be gathering information from sensors exactly. on your network yeah. and posting those to a central repository. Yeah, yeah. Where you could then and get And then the, I can aggregate all the data and, and make pretty charts. Yeah, so it's like getting the, you could you could check the, state of your house the way that you can check yeah. application state yeah i'd make some could make some kind of like a dashboard for your house mm. yeah do we we and talked for, about for this, all your data yeah. i think we talked about this on the accidental podcast but not on the real I podcast yeah the, the accidental podcast that will never air yeah but <laughs> actually it, no that was that was not the that was not the um the one we threw away that was the that then actual yeah yeah, we were having like a business call, and then we just like got talking. And the, yeah. But the basic concept is that the the, um, and this is related to Zapier and Raspberry Pi, which is that that the kind of home automation concept I feel like is being rushed because mm -hmm. people are kind of the uh, manufacturers are releasing these sort of standalone solutions like Spotter or whatever, and it's like a, a whole package. You get like. You get like this this device, this sensor package, and you know, you, and it connects to um, an app, and it sends. It'll either send out emails, or you know, it's like the 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 input and the output are kind of like bundled all together. Yeah, and they need to be separate. Yes, they definitely need, need to be separate. Yeah, you need to just be. You need to just be like before you can do anything smart. You need to be gathering all of your data so that you can analyze it and then figure out what you need to do. Yeah, you got to learn before you can be smart, you know. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like we you, and when we when I get all this stuff, I'm like, this is super cool. I sense that I'm going to like this, but then I never use them because the the actions that they do are dumb. Yeah, but the data they're collecting is super interesting. But I never separated those two things. So now I'm like, ooh. I, and I put I put the spotter back on my dryer, and I was like, I don't care about actually getting the notification when the dryer goes on and off. What I care about is in six months looking back and seeing the trend lines. Right. And then maybe in six months I can say, oh, if the if the um, if some pattern shows up and it's bad, then I can look for that pattern in the future. And when the pattern happens, then I can do then something get smart. A notification. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the step beyond just sending out notifications, of course, is, is actually taking doing action, something about it. Yeah. Yeah. In physical space, like shutting off the iron or, or opening the garage door or something. And, and when you get to that point, it gets super risky because if you leave the decision to the machine, even something as simple as like turning on your bedroom lights can get incredibly complicated. Yeah as to whether or not you should do it because maybe your wife's sleeping in there or maybe it's the dog in the bed. And you know, it's like, you know, how do you, when, when you go into a dark room, there's like at least a half a dozen, dozen decisions or factors that you weigh as to whether or not you turn on the light, you know, like maybe, maybe your eyes are adjusted to the dark and you don't need the light on. Yeah. So if the, if the light comes blasting on for no reason, like, you know, ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the light, it burns. Right. It's like, <laughs> and this is kind of a personal story, but but I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> um, at at night, I always pee sitting down so I don't have to turn on the light. <laughs> this is like the pee episode. This is. Yeah, and so I actually I actually mentioned that one time at a family gathering, and my father doubled over laughing because he was like, <laughs> "I do the same thing," and he like we've never just it's genetic. Yeah. Anyway. No, I added him I think, too. I think I think maybe you're preoccupied today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm I'm going to the no more baby doctor today. <laughs> Trying not to think about that, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna get my scissors out and make little snip snip sounds. But... Uh, and I'm gonna come home and be like and now I have something in common with my dog. <laughs> So it's funny too because Erica was like, she's prepping Cooper that Daddy's gonna have an ouchie when he gets home, so don't mm -hmm. don't jump on him. Yeah. And it, so I come down. I did not know this though. So I come down from the shower and he's like, Daddy, where's your ouchie gonna be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Erica, you got to prep both of us, not just him. 
Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, so uh, that is definitely a tangent, but it's sort of related because, you know, about the about let's gather some information before we start to like turn mm -hmm. on and off the oven and start to see patterns and we can send and then the next step is to send alerts for um, you know, things that are out of range, you know, exceptions. Yeah. It's basically like it's basically like listen to the the state of your house and when things so are out of whack. An outlier. Yeah. Say, hey, look, something weird's going on. Yeah. There's seven people in the house. There are yeah. never seven <laughs> people in the house, especially yeah. when you're on vacation. So maybe something's wrong. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, your TV is like walking out your front door. <laughs> Do you have a mobile TV? Because it's yeah. on the move. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, I think if, 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 if you, dear listener, are, a, are sort of burned out on this sort of uh, internet of things already, the consumer grade. Uh, I urge you to think of it in, in separate slices and figure out, you know, if you could just gather some information. So the bad news is though, that most of these things don't let you gather the information, right? They don't, they don't store it anywhere or let you, right. They're in the yeah. stupid iOS app trapped in there that, you know, to never to be returned, not even a log. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's, they're, they're not really, it's not really, I mean, I guess you could call it home automation, but it doesn't really feel like it is because it's, it's just like, it's, it's bits and pieces automation mm -hmm. with like, without any kind of logic. Right. Yeah. And it's funny now because when I look around at all these sort of like things, now they all fall into one of two categories for me or, or a hybrid category in the middle. They're either mm -hmm. a sensor, which means they're gathering input and it would be nice if they were pushing it to a place where I could access it, but most of them don't. Yeah. And then there's output devices like the Hue bulbs. That's an output device. Mm -hmm. It has no no sensor input. And it, like I would have lumped, in fact, I did lump things like Wemo and Hue and all of those things together because you could kind of make them talk to each other and make one control the other. Mm -hmm. But that's not, that's not really, it's not, really, it's not yeah. smart. Yeah, I kind of feel like there, I feel like mostly there just needs to be like, sensors that can send data to some kind of central location, maybe probably through an API. Mm -hmm. Like if you just had a bunch of sensors that could ping an, uh, an address on your local network every time something happened. Yes. And then you had like maybe a bunch of switches that could respond to a ping mm -hmm. from something else on your network. Mm -hmm. And then you could just have, you know, you could have your software in the middle there, do whatever you want with, you know, analyze the data and then, you know, make your make your decisions there in like this centralized point where you can get a like a big picture look at everything yeah it would be awesome it's like like an ekg for your house you could just mm -hmm. have a timeline going along the bottom and then like things like um you know vibration level of your dryer vibration level of the washing machine noise noise level of the dishwasher noise level in in the kids room lights you could it, like all of a sudden like i was getting kind of burned out and like this like the internet of things in the home is not not almost happening. It started to get, I started to get really bored with it because mm -hmm. it's like, seems so great. And it's, and you know, I get all this stuff and plug it all in and I'm like, cool. And then, it, and but then the, it's just a gimmick. It is like a lot of it really is a gimmick because you, because the data is trapped in these dumb apps that you can't, can't get any kind of like, you can't learn from it. Yeah. If we were, if we were smarter, we'd make a Kickstarter and just like build this. <laughs> so I, there, there is, there is one it's uh, on dragon innovation, which is another crowdfunding site called wonder bar. That is, that is exactly this. Um, it's, it's a bunch of different kinds of sensors and all they do is send data to an API. Nice. So, uh, so I think, I think it's coming. So it's like not as complicated as an art. You could do all this like with a raspberry Pi or Arduino yeah, if you, you felt you like could. Um, but this is, a, but it's a lot more, you know, for it's like, you know, 200 bucks, you get these six sensors like proximity, uh, humidity, temperature, light, there's a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different ones. And then there's like a wild card one that you can bolt on any sort of garden variety Arduino sensor that you want. Mm. And, and it just pushes all the data to the API, the, you know, their API. So I, I, and I feel like that's, that's pro that's a, a step in the right direction. It did get funded yeah. and I did buy one of them. So, you know, hopefully they'll be relatively on schedule and we'll have it in the summer. But so, the, so here's the thing. I feel like we, I feel like there should be, 
you know, like, obviously, you know this, but um, if you think about JavaScript events, the event objects, mm-hmm. that's what these appliances should throw off. So like, yeah. like, like, uh, unclosed dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Around, you know, like a, a motion sensor should be, you know, on, on idle or on, yeah. uh, on whatever. And it just, you know, on, um, interval and it just sends or, or on change or mm-hmm. on big change, you know, on, on step change, whatever, then it sends an object to like, you could have one endpoint for your entire house. Yeah. And that, then like on flush it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's basically an event listener for the physical world. Right. So you set up this event list, you set up this little endpoint, and all of these things are like, all these triggers are sitting around. Yeah. And you just, you add your event listeners and, and then when a thing happens, yeah. Yeah. You've got an event loop on, on that thing, whatever it's some kind of web server. And, uh, it just like, like, I think it, I would just love it if I could get like a, I just picture it like an EKG, like a bunch of squiggly lines going from left to right that indicate the state of various things, like how far mm-hmm. I am from the house or, you know, how many people are in the house and like that. It should be so, that would be, because then you'd be able to see patterns. You can't see patterns yeah. the way the stuff is now. Yeah. Like how does the inside temperature vary in relation to the outside temperature? Yeah. And like what, what does that mean for your energy consumption yeah. or and, like and how, how much, often do you yeah. open the door and... It would be, I mean, maybe it's, I mean, everybody loves a dashboard. Everybody loves reports, like not making them, but it's fun to like view reports of your data. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not fun for everyone. Maybe we're just weird, but. <laughs> we could be. But, it could just be, it could just be a, a geek thing. Yeah. It's certainly, it's a business owner thing. I've had plenty of business yeah. owners who, who just like pay anything for you to create Excel reports for them. Yeah. Yeah. But like if I could, <laughs> if I could analyze like the inside temperature, the outside temperature, amount of electricity used, and the length of time my furnace and or air conditioner is running. Not mm. not and, not and furnace or <laughs> air conditioner is running. Let's hope. Then like that, that to me seems like that would be like some really useful information that I could then analyze and like, hmm, you know. Right. So like imagine you've got this, imagine you've got this like layers and layers and la- not layers, but like, like, you know a f- screen full of these squiggly lines going all over the place, each one representing a different thing. And you could drag like a marquee to select certain ones mm-hmm. and say like, this is normal, you know, or you could have all of them or, you know, when these two, three things are like this, then that's normal. And you take a snapshot of it. And then you could like, if it was interactive, you could move one of the lines and see if this varies. If in case all of these things are roughly in this range, if this one goes way over here, alert me. Yeah you know, whatever that one is, like you said before, the location of your TV or something (laughs) and at least get to the point where you can start. I love the idea of being able to visualize the state of my environment from on a graph. Mm -hmm. It's like, I just feel like it would be, I feel like I'm a creature of habit and I do. It's almost this weird thing where I'm like, I think I do this. I'm probably on these weird cycles where I do the same thing every Tuesday and I don't even know it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it would just be really interesting to to analyze all of that and and see see the trends and um mm. so so yeah bring bringing it back to back to zapier i'm interested mm-hmm. in doing that for all of the various web services that i use yes absolutely me too like i i'm like super excited to to set up because now i definitely can and there, i've got api hatch has been down for a while but um but i use kilo all the time still and you've been using it too it's like you know, and I've got webhooks set up on the API. So it's like, you could, you could totally use it as both a trigger and an action. So like the, the, for, for your API to be a good trigger in something Mm -hmm. like Zapier, it needs, it needs to have webhooks so you don't have to do polling. Yeah. And that is something, I think adding webhooks to an API is something we haven't talked about a ton in the past, but I think it's becoming more and more of a, a, uh, a V1 feature that you kind of need to have. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe we should discuss it at some point. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, the the um, and there are lots of good uh, on the Zapier site. There's lots of good um, information about sort of best practices for dealing with authentication and and um, and uh, webhooks and all you know patterns that you can use. And it's like don't bother reinventing the wheel. It's it's pretty sweet. There's yeah. tons of documentation up there. And that. It, it, I'm hoping what I'm hoping to be able to do is link 
what I would like to be able to do is link um, kilo up to glass so that I could do something to see how many calories I have remaining for the day. Right. Without, you know, like without having a, it'd be so cool if I could just be like, um, okay, glass add uh, 400 calories, you know, bagel 400 calories or whatever. And it sends it to the API and then it bings back with like, you have 300 calories remaining or whatever. That'd be so yeah. cool. Yeah, that would be. So anyway, that would be that would be way better than pulling out your phone. Um, yeah. So, um, so there are two. I guess the next thing to talk about while we were going through uh, the the uh, existing channels or whatever Zapier calls them, there was one called Choir.io, which yes, I this could, is this is just fun. The only thing I don't love about it is that we didn't build it because this thing is, it is pure perfection. I love it. And that I can't make stuff in it yet because it's invite only at this point. God. Yeah. It is so cool. And it, and it, so do you want to describe what it is? Yeah. It basically lets you monitor or I guess, I guess you're not monitoring through choir. Probably choir is probably just receiving, receiving information via, Webhooks, I would assume, from yeah, I um, think so, yeah. f- from a from whatever services you want to to pump into it, which they call I think they call them channels, mm-hmm. and um, basically you create a you have a sound pack, and uh, so every time, well you get this you get this dashboard that lists all of the all of the things that are happening, so you can watch it, but then you can also assign a sound to each thing, each type of thing. Yeah. So basically you're. Yeah, so basically you're listening to the activity of the internet. Yeah. And we've been I've, we've been listening to GitHub. <laughs> it's so cool. So like the <laughs> sound packs have it's something like 8 or 9 sounds that are from a category and like submarine is the one I like. I think that's the one you like too. Yeah. And so it's got all these water sounds and some of them are big and bold and and longish like 3 seconds and other ones are just the tiniest little drip. And and the 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 sort of default uh, interface on the choir site and also the choir app, if you download the, the native app, is that you get this stream of GitHub activity. There must be some public stream of GitHub activity. And mm-hmm. for each push, you get a blip. And for each uh, issue resolution, you get a foghorn. And, and you get this incredible audio experience of, of GitHub activity. It's so... It's- weird it is it's really it's really cool and it's i don't know there's just there's something about like like listening to the information that's coming in that's in a way that's different than a voice saying pull request such and such or right and um or or you know or just reading it on the screen like it creates I don't know. It just does something. Just does something weird to your brain. Yeah, it's ambient information, and it's pumping in tons of more information than you could possibly take in with your eyes. Yeah. So it's like so. So this and this solves a problem that we've talked about before, like like the notification overload. If you mm-hmm. could set this up on your phone, so like an Android phone, I've got like um, uh, an app on it called Automate. And it has same, it's like, it's like, just like after Zapier, but it's just for the environment of the phone. And so like a million things can happen on your phone and you can assign sounds or you can assign actions to take place whenever those happen, but sounds isn't really one of them. So instead of getting these stupid, like almost all identical bloops in your pocket. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still getting used to the Moto X. I mean, I switched from to the Android from the iPhone mm-hmm. and uh, like my phone will make a sound and I'm going, okay, was that an email or a text message or a hangout thing or yeah. What the heck was that? Like voice, voicemail. Yeah. Like what was that? Right. <laughs> they all, they sound very similar. Yeah. You could monitor like you could have this sort of ambient. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's hard to describe, but if you're experiencing it, if you try it out at choir.io, it's like, wow, like I can, once you know what the sounds are, you can kind of make sense of it and it can be on in the background and you can know when big things happen 
that you yeah, maybe like should. You can you can stop paying attention to it and still be getting information and like like your brain is still picking up on the things that are going on. Yeah, you're perceiving it. So like, it's like um, it would be really cool for like uh, base camp. So yeah. I've got, you know, we probably have like in my base camp account, I probably have three or four active projects and like, and, and across the, those projects, there's probably a total of, of, eh, I'm going to say 30 project people. So some of the people are, you know, like you're on multiple mm -hmm. projects, but if you count once for each project you're on. And so if you had a different, um, different sound for each different thing that can happen across all your projects you, in the background, you could just hear that people were doing stuff. You could hear yeah. that people were logging in. You could hear that people were creating to-dos. You could hear that people were, you know, you wouldn't have to like wonder if people were working or, or who was doing what. And you could even do it down to the person level where it was a very short sound that I associated specifically with you or specifically with somebody at Infinom or specifically with somebody, right. you know, the client or whatever. And then you right. could. And, and yeah. You, you <laughs> just wouldn't, you just, it would be great. You could be like, it, you could constantly be tied into it without without it being your main focus but then you'd be right, instantly you be, be alerted stopping every 30 seconds to look at an email yeah exactly right because right now the the alert is email and that's it's it's okay but this would be way better for high volume when you've got a high volume of changes if there wasn't a high mm -hmm. volume of changes it wouldn't be that great because you'd be like i can't remember what bloop means <laughs> right Right, but what, like one of the projects I'm working on now, like it's not uncommon to have like, you know, sixty emails come in in a day from Basecamp mm. for this one project. Yeah, it's it's un it's not useful. Yeah, and after a while, I'm just you know whatever. I just I stop looking at them, and I go to Basecamp when I have time to go to Basecamp and look at the to dos that are assigned to me. You know. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I do. I, I would start. I tell everybody to say, if you're going to, um, whenever you mention me, use my full name because I, I don't, yeah. don't read all these emails. I just search for my name. And if nobody officially called me out, I'm not going to see it. Cause it's the right. same thing. If you're getting 60 emails a day, you can't get any work done on, on one project. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. impossible. So Spend all your time reading the emails. Right. <laughs> So anyway, it's, it's incredibly compelling and there's like, uh, there's, there's something there there. I think that there are probably not tons of use cases for this kind of thing, but, um, you know, it, it is useful and it is a new, I'm huge on like audio. I'm a big, big audio fan. He said on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously we're both audio fans and I just think that it's, it's a, you know, the guy from SoundCloud famously said audio is going to be bigger than video on the internet. YouTube's going to be nothing compared to video. I mean, compared to audio. And I think he's right because video demands that you look at it. And yeah. that's, that's not great. You know, and a lot of these things that demand that you look at them don't even look that great. So, you know, and you can't like have a video playing on your phone and stick it in your pocket. It goes off. It stops. So like audio though, you can, you can go back to what you were doing. You can listen. You can do your thing. So if you were listening to audio instead of listening to a podcast, you were listening to a stream of project activity on Basecamp, like right. in the and background. And you can just tune in and out throughout the day. Yeah. Or like it's, you'd know when it was really quiet. You know what else would be good? IRC. So like, like to yeah. know what's happening in an IRC room and like if certain people log on who you, you know, you are like, you know, I don't know if like the phone gap guys like one of the core team members logs on you, you know you you'd know that but you'd also know that there's you'd know when there's a lot of activity for some reason you're like ooh, what's going on yeah yeah it's it, there's like it's there's huge potential here for something really really cool yeah you know it would be fun like i would i, I would like to listen to rails rumble like when i when i'm programming when i'm doing it yeah yeah, yeah the like, commits. i want to listen to what everybody else is doing you know <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah, it's like chatter that would be overwhelming in any other way. It's like visually, or if you could actually, if you actually had like a an open party line, like speakerphone into every team, it would be overwhelming. Right. But right. Uh, this is actually, you can get some meaning out of it and tune in and out to a certain degree. It's so cool. Yeah, 
and then we were we were doing mashups with it and, and other various web-based audio <laughs> very blade runner like experiences oh yeah right what was the what was the one yours was com.com yeah c-a-l-m.com yeah and then what was the one i had uh, the uh, coffee one the coffee shop one coffee activity um, or something like that activity yeah, and we, you know, combine combine the three, and it's it's a, if you combine the three, it's a very Blade Runner like experience. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, Coffeeativity and Calm are like loops, mute, loops. But then if you put in the choir in the background, choir is like a live stream. It has like a sort yeah. of has this weird organic feel to it. And uh, I found it so relaxing that I couldn't even concentrate or focus on anything. So maybe I should bring it with me to the doctor today. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I was getting very stressed out last night, so I went back and turned it all on. Like, ah. And you got your hue lights going? Yeah. Put the lights on like a like a purplish blue blue, like nice. deep 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 blue. You know that that hue competitor, the LifeX or Lifix mm-hmm. one that I bought? It it has a uh a music listener, so it will change colors based on this music. I know there are hue apps for that, but Oh, are there? cool well i mean i i assume the hue apps are like you play the music through the hue app and then it does some kind of analysis Hmm. i don't think it actually listens to music i see the question is does it enjoy the music yeah can i have my hue light bulbs enjoy my music for me (laughs) i don't have time to i have like thousands of mp3s i I don't have time to enjoy them but maybe my lights could yeah yeah and if you don't have to hear them and the lights can just (laughs) Perhaps they could log their enjoyment level to my my home EKG. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let's see how happy my lights are today. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I finally saw the preview for her. Yeah. The trailer for her. Yeah. I saw. I, I saw it recently. That'll as be well. an interesting one. <laughs> that uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. We don't. Excuse me. I'll link to it in the show notes. We don't have to go into it, but I saw a video recently of um, design fiction and it was uh, mm-hmm. three different guys talking about, um, uh, you know, things like Minority Report and and it just basically like futuristic movies and stories and, and how it affects actual design. And, and I usually don't have a lot of patience for that kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. concept cars or whatever. Yeah, that's cool, but whatever. It's 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 also not, it totally impractical and they were of the same mind and had some really, really interesting takes on it that, uh, that I found very thought provoking and refreshing. Like, uh, for example, they, um, they said like one of the exercises that one of the people did was to, was to say, okay, we're, let's say we walk into like one of those really nasty little like, uh, payday, um, convenience stores, like a truck stop almost. Yeah. You go in there, but it's 30 years in the future. Like what's on the counter. It's still going to look like a mess. It's still going to be a disaster area of like, of like yard sale of junk everywhere. But like, <laughs> yeah. but what's the future what's junk? The junk gonna be? Right. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Like, like 30, like 30 years from now, the junk is going to be like an iPhone 5S for 50 cents. Yeah. I mean, like if he's like, if you go in now, if you go into a convenience store now, there's like a laser pointer for 90 cents hanging there on a keychain. A laser. Yeah. Like the amount of technology that went into that and it's just this throwaway thing that people probably wouldn't even care if you stole. You know? <laughs> and it's like, it's like Erica and I say this all the time. It's like, how could this thing only be $2? I almost feel bad buying it. Someone must have suffered making this. <laughs> but anyway, the the it, it's, it's really cool. I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. It might be worth a, a podcast conversation in the future. But uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it was called Design Fiction. Anyway. Jeez, that was an hour? Oh, my God. I have yeah, to, wow. I have to go. Yeah. I have to go get slashed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, sir. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, stickers should be in on March 17th, I think. So. Oh, good to know. Excellent. So, if you're into stickers... And if you're into the podcast, which you must be if you listen this long, <laughs> then hit us up on Twitter and we'll send them out. Yep. Cool beans. All right. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. 
And we hope you join us again next week for the 99th episode of the Niche Podcast. We should do something special for 100. Yay. Yeah, we keep saying we'll do that. Yeah. Maybe we will. Something last minute, I'm sure. Yeah. Anyway, see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.